Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. That's me, I'm Bill Barnwell. We're going to talk to Jeremy Fowler today from ESPN, of course, about his series, Talking to NFL Executives, Coaches, GMs, Scouts, Players, about the top 10 players at each position in the NFL. He's already covered the four core defensive positions, defensive end, edge rusher, I should say, interior defensive linemen, off-ball linebackers, and then cornerbacks. Safety's coming up on Friday, and then offensive players next week. We're going to talk about what he found for those four defensive positions and maybe tease a little bit about what's coming up for the offense next week. So check that out. We're going to talk to him all about that today. But first, wanted to quickly tell you about another ESPN podcast. You've heard of SVP, the only man who was foolish enough to put me on television each and every week during the NFL season. It's Scott Van Pelt, host of ESPN Sports Center. He also has a podcast. It's the SV Pod, where Scott Van Pelt dives into the biggest stories in sports with his unique brand of humor and insight. You can find SV Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And also, 30 for 30 is back with Breakaway, a film about WNBA superstar and activist Maya Moore. This film explores the story of Moore, one of the best basketball players on the planet, stepping away from the sport for a remarkable reason to fight for a man she believed was wrongly imprisoned. Watch Breakaway live Tuesday, July 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, presented by Hyundai. Now, here's Jeremy Fowler and our show. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, joining me now, here as promised on the Bill Barnwell Show, a man who is after my own heart in the absolute dead of football winter here, of course, in the summer. There's not much happening. A man who has taken it upon himself for ESPN to go out and talk to executives around the league, coaches, GMs, scouts, all kinds of people who know about football and ask them to rank the best players in the NFL at several respective positions. This week, he is hitting up the defense. Next week, we'll get into that a little later on. He's going to be talking about the offensive players in the NFL. But as someone who is producing very entertaining content here in the middle of July, wanted to have him on to talk about this stuff. And this is someone we've had on before, an excellent guest, colleague of mine, friend of mine, Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, we got to keep uh, got to keep the summer hot with some content. <laughs> content creators, we are. That's exactly exactly what we are. And thankfully, I feel like you have done some great stuff this week. I'm really enjoying these rankings. Not only because you know, uh, of course, the just just the sheer fact of okay, who's number one, who's number two, but also I feel like we're getting some insight into how people around the league these players. And I think there is some dramatic difference between maybe how players are talked about publicly, whether it be with us in the media, whether it be with fans, whether it be with, you know, stuff here and there. And I think there's some interesting questions to ask about sort of how we should be perceiving these players and how the league should be thinking about some of these positions on the whole. And we're going to get into that maybe 
uh, as we get on to these four topics. We're going to talk about the four topics today. We're, we're, we're recording this on Thursday. We're going to talk about the four positions that you've already put up at ESPN.com, uh, which is going to be edge rushers, defensive tackles, linebackers, and cornerbacks. So let's start with the edge rusher position. And I think this is a great example of the disconnect maybe between what people are talking about inside NFL buildings and outside NFL buildings. And it's the guy at number one, Miles Garrett. And obviously, if you watch the NFL, if you cover the NFL for a living, if you talk to people within the NFL, everyone knows Miles Garrett is a great player. But I have to admit, if you asked 100 NFL fans, not you know controlling for how hardcore they were, uh, not controlling for anything, but just simply, I watch football most Sundays. I think there would still be a subset of people who follow football who would know Miles Garrett most as the guy who hit Mason Rudolph over the head with his helmet. So, I mean, when you were talking to people about Miles Garrett, what were the sorts of of conversations that came up? Who was he being compared to? What were uh, the traits people were talking about when it came to Miles Garrett that led him to be the number one player at this position? Well, yeah, I appreciate it, Bill. And uh, thanks for the kind words. And yeah, it's been, it's been a fun project. Just, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hundreds of text messages and trying to get <laughs> top 10 ballots. I've really just done it like a true composite ranking. And it's mm-hmm. it's an imperfect system, but it is more of a glimpse into how this is looked upon as far. Yeah, because we, we see so many top 10 lists out there. And I was just like, well, let's just get how these teams feel about these players. And mm-hmm. so uh, Miles Garrett last year, you're right. There was more conversation around the off-field issues. And, uh, you know, that was a consideration, I think, in the voting. It probably hurt him a little bit, but more so what hurt him was just some uneven play. Like mm-hmm. he, he would talk to some offensive line coaches, for example, uh, and some offensive coordinators and coaches who felt like you could kind of wash him out of a game a little bit with the right tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wasn't either didn't have, he didn't either didn't have the refined moves or he just didn't have the motor for a full game and the strategy to figure it all out. Well, a lot of those same coaches feel like he made a massive jump this year. And even mm-hmm. if he's not, he, he's just so dominant with, his traits that like the course of a game, even if he's quiet, he's lurking. And then all of a sudden he's just completely wrecked a game mm-hmm. and you'll see it happen in like two or three plays where, you know, TJ Watt, a phenomenal player, you know, every year defense player of the year candidate, you know, he's going to like high murder you and smart you to death. And he's going to like just pour over game film and like be like Luke Keekley and, you know, calling out plays and he'll just, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll just beat a guy all game. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just the tiebreaker was was just for the dominant skill set. Like get, most people, when they're picking between the two, they would slightly take Garrett because of that. And they were in like a true tiebreaker. So what I'll do is, if if after the first round of votes, if they're roughly tied, then I'll just go through like I'll I'll isolate the matchup and go to other people, mm-hmm. um, and then you know I'll start with like ten extra voters and then just go from there. And then you know Garrett just had the slight edge just because the people are like, hey, if I'm building a team, that's the guy I would take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a guy who was the first overall pick, of course, uh, in the draft, T.J. Watt was a player taken towards the end of the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers um, with Watt. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind for me as sort of the only knock you can put on T.J. Watt is that for most of his career, pretty much all of his career outside of the brief injury last year to Bud Dupree, he's had another first round pick across from him on the edge. And of course, Bud Dupree yeah. now in Tennessee. So when you talk to people, were there any concerns about a possible Watt drop-off 
now that Dupree is gone or is it just sort of he's so good that no matter who you put across from him, he's going to be an impactful football player? Well, I, I think the latter is mostly true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are concerns just from a balance standpoint, I think, um, in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, because they have such a good front with, with uh, Cam Hayward's fun to it or top guys, Watt and Dupree, um, that they lose a little bit of that luster. And then Watt's numbers are so eye-popping, it's, you know, it's hard to duplicate that every year. But uh, th- there is a feeling, at least in Pittsburgh and around the league, that, that Watt will just he'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's too savvy. Um, you know, he understands his matchups and his strategy. Like he'll, he'll get numbers, even if he doesn't get 15 sacks every year, um, he'll affect 20 different areas through the course of every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the guys below what, you know, kind of the ones you would expect Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, Von Miller. I mean, all superstars and guys who, you know, when they're healthy are impactful year after year. Surprise for me would have been at seven which was Chase Young. I mean, a guy who, unlike those other players in his second season, um, still hasn't really established himself maybe on the national scene as a, a, a true superstar. Seven and a half sacks in 15 games. That's your good number, certainly. Yep. But not as if you know he was a defensive player of the year candidate. Those guys have been in years past. So Chase Young, were you surprised he was that high? No, I really wasn't because when I first started doing the voting, he was a, a pretty constant presence. And mm-hmm. you know, Nick Bosa last year was number three and he was number eight this year. He obviously would have been higher had he not got injured. Right. But I, I think a lot of evaluators kind of had um, a coming to grips moment where they're like, I kind of like young a little better pound for pound just because um, you know, he's longer. He's uh, he's got a little bit more to offer as an athlete and an edge rusher, as far as how he can get to the quarterback in different ways mm-hmm. where, you know, Bosa is going to be great, um, but he's more compact, uh, forceful, the high energy, you know, and, um, you know, young just has that extra length and a little more range and, and versatility with his athleticism where they liked him a little bit better on a long-term outlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like they were guys who did, you know, fall because there were the injuries. Um, you know, we saw Daniel Hunter, Daniel Hunter uh, at 10. We saw, um, like you said, Nick Bosa dropping a, a bit. You know, obviously there's going to be some recency bias here, but I do feel like, you know, when it comes to these guys, maybe differently from other positions, it feels like any one of those guys, to me at least, in the top maybe six or seven or top eight could be one or two in a typical year, if they right. do have that season where they stay healthy and play at a high level. Um, in terms of the guys who are out of the top 10, you mentioned a few guys who are also receiving votes, uh, Shaq Barrett, Sedarius Smith, Frank Clark, Brian Burns, Matt Judon, now yeah. with the Patriots, of course, and Bud Dupree, who we mentioned a minute ago. Now, those guys would similarly be the, the, the top picks, maybe, but I'm going to open it up to anyone else. Is there anybody you either expected to be in the top 10 this year or maybe who we should expect to see in the top 10 in 2022. Yeah. So I think, you know, Shaq Barrett, I thought he would get in on the strength mm-hmm. of his Super Bowl or the, on the strength of his playoff performance, kind of like how Vita Vey got in honestly, yeah. and probably Devin white getting the first linebacker spot. Like Tampa was so good on defense in the playoff run that everybody was like, wow, look at that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shaq was one of those guys. And it's funny, Daniel Hunter, wasn't on the list last year coming off a big season that gets injured, sits out all year and then makes the, makes it this year. Wow. I think in part, cause everybody realized, well, Minnesota, like their pass rush was so bad without him, And the numbers mm-hmm. bear that out pretty glaring. It's almost like a 50% loss 
mm-hmm. um, and pass rush productivity without Daniel Hunter. So um, he won out, I think, just largely because of that. And he, he's kind of just, he's, you know, he's built like an X-Men character. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of like Miles Garrett in that way. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Shaq Barrett, I thought would be there. Zadarius Smith is so well-rounded that I, you know, he's been really close two years in a row, hasn't made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Burns is the guy who's coming. Um, he's kind of, he's, you know, he's not there yet. Um, he just, he's really fast and explosive. And so I think like over time that, you know, the numbers will start to bear that out and he'll get the sacks that he needs to, to get on this kind of list. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, a guy who flashed as a rookie and then was uh, significantly better last year. I mean, Panthers, not exactly high profile, you know, in 2020, given where they were, but, um, Brian Burns, you'd figure, at least to me, if you had asked me the same question, I would have picked Brian Burns as that guy who I'd expect to be in the top 10 uh, in 2022. Now, I mentioned that it feels like that kind of group of people, uh, you know, it could kind of go from year to year, have a different guy at number one. That is not the case at defensive tackle, where I don't want to spoil anybody's ESPN Plus subscription. Aaron Donald was the first pick. At defensive tackle. So, Jeremy, let me ask you, did anybody not have Aaron Donald or sorry, was there anyone who you think had Aaron Donald maybe as uh, not the best defensive tackle in football? There was one voter who took him number four. What? And I, I, I even asked if they were having a little fun and they said, no, look, Aaron's really good. I just think that there's some guys that are more explosive. Wow. Um they was that they were they were projecting age mm-hmm. as a factor. And Aaron Donald is 30 years old. Like people forget that. He is now one of those dudes. Once guys get in their 30s, we start to knock them. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, no, no matter how much of a superman he really is, um, that you know, it might tail off eventually. But uh yeah, still clearly the best. He got every every vote that won what was the number one vote. And it was, you know, a lot of guys made the same comment if they would put him number one as the edge rusher if they could, even though he's not an edge rusher. So both spots, he would be number one. Like even if he had never played a down as a true three, four outside linebacker, if you mm-hmm. put him out there uh, for the first snap, they would pick him number one over all those guys. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of, you know, the sort of non quarterback situation, I know you didn't do this, but if you had asked the people you were talking to, to pick the best non quarterback in the NFL, do you think he would have been the selection? Yes. Yeah, I don't Do think, think there's any doubt. I don't think there's any doubt. I'm trying to think of um, maybe maybe Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wouldn't be a running back. Um, I'm trying to think of who else it would be. It wouldn't be a safety. It wouldn't be a linebacker. So just based on those groups, or, or there's not like clear-cut number ones, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Ramsey is, but like a lot of the other positions, it was tight. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah. And it wouldn't be edge rusher. So it would be, I mean, wide receiver. No, that's you know, Devon, like guys like Devonte Adams. Um, DeAndre Hopkins are great, but they're all sort of bunched together. You know, there's mm-hmm. such a clear separation between Donald and everybody else in this position. I'm just trying to think of another spot that's like that. And there really isn't, you know, yeah. tight end, no Kelsey and Kittle are kind of one, a one B, you know? So uh, I, I don't see that. Um, most, most, agree you know it's sort of like you know you pick your quarterback versus Aaron Donald and you, you just sort of choose your favorite mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it 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 certainly feels that way you know where I'm trying to think you know maybe JJ Watt at his peak would have been yeah. similarly uh popular when it came to picking the best player 
outside of the quarterback where you had to pick one non quarterback to be your guy. Um, right. And I mean, you know, I, I understand that he's 30 as someone who turned 37 this past weekend. Uh, you <laughs> know, I thank you. I, you know, I, I realize Aaron Donald and I are aging slightly differently when it comes to uh, our aging. But I mean, man, I, I, <laughs> I watch him play week after week. I know it's going to happen eventually. I know he's not going to be this guy eventually, but doesn't feel like it's about to happen. You know, it doesn't feel like right. like he's one season away to from breaking down. It just feels like he's, you know, he's terrifying week after week. And even, <laughs> even if even if you get lucky where he have a week where he doesn't have a big impact, if you play him again, it doesn't feel like you can feel confident that you're going to do the same thing and take him out of the game a second time. No, no, it's crazy. Well, look at, I mean, somebody brought this up to me. Look at Leonard Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. You know, good athlete, top 10 pick underachieved in Chicago plays one year in LA gets a $16 million a year contract, 64 million or whatever it was. I mean, he should be paying Aaron Donald some of that money. Like he's a good player, but he deserved to get it. But Aaron Donald was a big part of that because he got him one-on-one matchups all day. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's still pretty wild what he's doing. And I, yeah, he, he's dominating every category, double teams, you know, whatever metrics and next gen stats we have, he dominates all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, he takes such good care of himself uh, in the offseason, works so hard, you just don't see a drop off immediately, maybe in three years, or, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah, three years from now, I think we could have a conversation about it. But to me, I mean, there's just such a big gap between him and everyone else. And you go to the rest of this list, I mean, there's guys you would expect uh, Chris Jones, Cam Hayward, DeForest Buckner, you know, superstar interior linemen. Get to six, another name here that I was a little surprised by. It's Jeffrey Simmons, who yeah. You know, really only has one season under his belt, missed most of his rookie season in Tennessee um, and wasn't, you know, played nine games, but wasn't his, uh, wasn't his normal self was recovering from an injury and was really only a part-time player for most of that rookie year. And then year two, I mean, Tennessee defense was not very good, but he wasn't the problem yeah. with that defense. Were you surprised he was this high? I was. Uh, that was one of my biggest surprises, but he, he got a lot of top three votes from like kind of the scouts and the position coaches and the guys wow. who have seen him up close. Um, I mean, one GM said he's the closest thing to Aaron Donald. He's not wow. Aaron Donald, obviously, and nobody is, but he's he's got that kind of like compact body, really, really powerful, you know, um, good moves and all that. Like they were saying, even on his rookie year, you know, he's playing basically on an ACL on one leg and he's still doing some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, beating people off the edge or beating people up the middle and all that. So it's like, yeah, the stats aren't there yet. The recognition's not there yet. But um, yeah, he's like, he's the guy that when people watch him closely, they see somebody who's going to be incredibly impactful and, and like really D tackle or interior line, I should call it, was like six through 15 was a wash. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all pretty equal. So um, a lot of tiebreakers. Then they're like, that's a crazy position because there's like three or four or five young players like a Jeffrey Simmons, like a Vita Vea um, that are just really coming on. Mm-hmm. And then, you you know, Quinn and Williams, like, you know, you had to leave him off the top 10. J.J. Watt was off the top 10. It was crazy. There's a lot. There's like sneaky good talent at that position where other positions it wasn't. You kind of had like 10 to 12 guys and then there was a drop off or in some cases you have five guys. But this one was like 15 to 18 guys were loaded. You know, Jonathan Allen, really good player, mm-hmm. sneaky good player, you know, so. It was a tough position. Yeah. I mean, and really 
it could come down to kind of what you're looking for, because I mean, right. you know, someone like a Chris Jones is different from a Vita Vea. You know, they play, they play different roles, but still, you know, you have right. to kind of lump them into the same, you know, core positional group because they are they're shaped similarly. They play right. similar spots, but then do totally different things on the field from snap to snap. And um, you mentioned JJ Watt and we talked about TJ a little bit um, in terms of JJ Watt. I mean, what were you hearing from voters? Is it just a situation where he's a great player, uh, but he struggles to stay healthy or was it that people have thought maybe he slipped a bit because of all the injuries? Yeah, I think that they see a little slippage. They say that he's still disruptive. Um, he's kind of got to be more of an inside guy. You know, he's not going to be an edge guy like he used to. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You know, he's, he's savvy enough and strong enough to win that way. Um, and you know, there were like people in Houston that said he was still getting some triple teams on occasion. Like he got so much attention last year, uh, even at age 31, 32. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there, there's no reason not to expect a big season in Arizona. Cause I think he'll be set up for that. I don't think he'll play as many snaps. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays 30, 40 snaps, um, keeps it pretty tight to keep him fresh and let him just wreck havoc up front, you know? So I think he'll be able to put up some numbers that way. So yeah, he's, sure. he was a, he was a fringe guy. He just didn't get enough votes. He didn't get enough top five votes. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Not only the injuries, but then also, um, you know, playing for Houston last year, it wasn't like anybody was getting uh, good press or good hype. Was that was just a terrible <laughs> football team in so many ways last year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, yeah, he's, I'm trying to think of, I mean, Laramie Tunsil's the one marquee guy it's going to be on a list from Houston, you know, like they just don't, they, they have a major talent drain. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's in a very difficult situation. Um, so that's a different story, but yeah, there's just, it's amazing the talent drain they've had there from when a couple of years ago, they were trending upward. At linebacker. Um, this was interesting to me. Three-way tie at the top, Devin White, Bobby Wagner, and Fred Warner. And you mentioned earlier, Devin White won that tiebreaker when you went to additional scouts and GMs. So what do you think was the difference maker that kind of put Devin White over the top? I mean, he's just a missile. Just his speed, you know, like it made it a pretty easy call for people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was surprised. I thought he would be two or three. I knew he would be high, yeah. um, especially with the Super you know, the playoffs, three games, 38 tackles, you know, big interception, forced fumbles, all that stuff, right? He was just brilliant. Um, but I thought, you know, that linebacker was interesting. Like Darius Leonard didn't get the votes. I thought, I thought he would be maybe pushing for number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't quite, th- you know, Bobby Wagner is like the stable choice. He's kind of been the gold standard, you know, and then you got Fred Warner really came on. So, uh, it was those three that, um, the teams really liked. Uh, but yeah, I was, they just like the people I talked to just said Devin white with, it's not only the four, four speed, he runs like a safety, but just his ability to like, they call it key and trigger is like the kind of the phrase that you hear from a lot of these scouts and it's a little inside football, but it's like, you know, you, you see the play, you see the ball carrier or the screen pass or whatever you weave through chat traffic really fast and get there and just take the guy down. Mm-hmm. He's just brilliant at that. Um, has a knack for it. He's kind of, he, he used to be over eager and the, like the bucks feel he slowed down uh, his process to be able to kind of, you know, outthink the game a little bit. And so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the most dynamic at the position. So I think, you know, people I talk to just feel like, well, if he's the most dynamic and we're projecting to 2021, then let's pick him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, hard to argue with him given, given how he played, you know, especially at the end of the season, I mean, such a difference maker 
for the Bucks in that scheme. And I think what's so interesting about this position is that a lot of teams don't spend a lot of money here. I mean, you spend money on, on pass rushers, you spend money in a secondary. This has typically been a spot where we've seen teams, you know, have these off-ball linebackers and spend less money, you know, uh, whether it's letting guys go and feeling comfortable replacing them with guys off the street. We're seeing more right. teams comfortable with, you know, starting mid-round picks, starting late-round picks, even starting undrafted free agents in this spot if right. they feel confident about their line and feel confident about the secondary. And yet, you look at the team that just won the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. they have two guys in the top five here. And and uh Devin White with number one and Levante David, who's been good for so long at number five, and of course brought Levante David back to play alongside Devin White. So in, in terms of this position on the whole, I mean, did you get any sense that uh you, you felt like maybe people around the league think it's not that wise to sort of cut back here and the team should be investing more at this position based on what happened with the Bucks? Uh, a little bit. I am seeing a, a trend there. It depends on who you have. You got to have mm-hmm. a top guy. Um, what's crazy about the Bucks, though, is he, you know Levante David. You talk to other coaches; they're like, David runs the show. David's sort of like the key cog. It's just White is such a good playmaker, but they're perfect for each other, you know. So that that's a really rare dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, look at the Bucks; they're paying. You know, they gave Levante David a new deal, even at age, I believe, thirty-one, almost yep. thirteen million a year. Devin White, top five pick, big, you know, that's big money for the most part. But mm-hmm. Fred Warner, Darius Leonard are both up. They're going to be top of market guys. I mean, they could, you know, Bobby Wagner's at 18 million a year. I don't know if they can get to that number, but I think they're going to get pretty close or to it potentially. Um, one of those two. So I, I do think it's changing a little bit. We saw it with the tight end position needed a spark, you know, and then uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, and those guys helped that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Safety's in a rut, needs a spark. I, w- I would argue safety now is a little more um, devalued than linebacker. I feel like those guys can do so much in the middle. And a lot of safeties are sort of glorified linebackers, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I-, I do think the position is-, is definitely valued. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Jamal Adams might be closer to a linebacker than a, a pure safety um, when you look at where he lines up on the field from snap to snap. A guy who came up here that I thought was really interesting, and I want to know if more people talked about him, was CJ Mosley. You know, who would have been, if we'd done this two years ago, would have been, I think, definitely in the top 10 somewhere. And then gets a massive deal from the Jets, a a position shifting deal, which then, of course, led to the Bobby Wagner deal is going to lead to these extensions being 18, 19 million dollars a year, maybe. And he's been basically gone for the past two years. I mean, got hurt in his first game, got a pick six and also got injured against the Bills, came back for one game. Uh, with a groin injury, missed 14 games, I think, with the Jets' his first year, and then a COVID opt-out last year. I mean, you know, are, are, do you get a sense that he's just forgotten about at this point? A little bit. And, well, it's that's the flip side to the linebacker discussion. Some teams are against paying that much. It, mm-hmm. We're talking 17, 18 million. Like, you know, unless you have a truly special guy, um, teams are against that. Like, you know, that's – like I know the Joe Douglas regime would not have done that deal by any stretch. And so they inherit a team that had that deal done and he doesn't play for two years. It's like, what do you do now? He's still in the books, but still really good player. He is a good player. And I'm a big CJ Mosley fan. Um, Even dating back to Alabama. Like he's Mm -hmm. just got, he's, he was that quintessential AFC North linebacker. You know, he just got everybody straight. Um, You know, great hitter. Uh, good, like kind of field general. And so there's value there, but not, not at that number for a guy who's at his best 10. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, may, maybe if he would have, if he would have proved more New York higher, but he got a few votes. It was more just like, hey, if he wasn't injured, he'd be in my mix, you know, but there wasn't a lot of inspiration behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you would figure if any team might be comfortable spending that much money, it's the Baltimore Ravens who had Ray Lewis <laughs> at linebacker for so long and then drafted CJ Mosley in the first round. And even they said, this is too rich for our blood. We have to move on. So I think that, you know, tells you how big that Jets contract was, but um, maybe a guy who's in a good position. I mean, you know, certainly uh, Robert Salas defense has made a bunch of other linebackers, you know, play at a high level for Ed Warner, of course, uh, you know, the guy who was a mid-round yeah. pick is going to get a big deal and yeah. deservedly. So um, finish up here on defense, talking about cornerbacks. Yeah. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey being number one again, not to the same extent, maybe as Aaron Donald, but how far ahead of the pack was, was Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it, was, it was significant, not as significant as Donald, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, one head coach told me there's Jalen Ramsey and there's a line. Uh-huh. Um, and then you go to the next tier. So he just, cause everybody knew, I mean, the talent was so obvious, you know, the range and, and the, uh, you know, just the raw athleticism and the instincts. Mm-hmm. And he just sort of is starting to put it all together, you know? So Stefan Gilmore beat him in the rankings last year because he was just more consistent. Right. Um, and then Gilmore was switching systems to the Rams and then they really maximize his ability. This last year, you can play any coverage you want, um, put him on anybody you want, and he'll take care of it, you know, for the most part. I mean, he's not a perfect player, but he's, he's developing to where he's way more dependable than he used to be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, I mean, the, the, these teams, they want guys who can cover on an island before anything else. And then after that, they want a complete player. And so he checks both those boxes. Yeah. And I mean, still just 26, you know, uh, as opposed to someone like Gilmore, where, you know, as good as Stefan Gilmore is, I mean, he is now, I think, 30, he's turning yeah. 31 in September. So um, actually, let's talk about Gilmore because he was fourth yeah. on this list. Um, I know there's been some trade talk around him. Did people think he was at his prior level in 2020? And, and do you think he ends up moving somewhere? The sense I got was that he he wasn't at his level of 19. You know, there was a little bit of a drop off, but that doesn't mean that he's lost his step. Um, see, it's... I would say some would classify him as declining, but that doesn't mean he's in decline. Does that make right. sense? Mm-hmm. He's, you know, just when you hit 30, a cornerback, it's tough. So there is a expected slow drop off with him. Uh, but I know some that expect a better, a better year and more of a bounce back in 21, just because, you know, he, the defense wasn't the same. I think Dante Hightower being gone was a sneaky big deal. It was. Uh, for He just got them so set up. You know, he's such a savvy player. Like he got the defense where it needed to be. Um, and so I, I do think Gilmore's game probably suffered a little bit because of his absence and, uh, you know, that he had the COVID bout. I mean, there was a lot going on, you know, it wasn't the same team, uh, not to make excuses for him, but there were some factors. So, uh, you know, is he just like the, the dominant guy from 19? Probably not, but I don't think it's only been a year, year and a half. I don't think, it, you know, it's not like he's fallen off the planet. I mean, there's still a, a top guy in there and that, that's, Man, that's fascinating for New England with the contract situation because mm-hmm. I'm not getting the sense that he expects to be traded. Um, but he's got the seven million dollar salary; they have to do something. He's not; he doesn't want to play on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, what do you do? Do you do like a Darius Slay deal, or it's three years, fifty million? Um, maybe, but then you're taking him well into his thirties. I, I don't know. Like, it's going to be interesting. See, so yeah, like they have J.C. Jackson. He's proven to be a really good player, but mm-hmm. he's not quite enough. I don't know if he's like the anchor you need, you know, where Gilmore is more of that. So it's they, they are in a tough spot. Yeah, I mean, two cornerbacks, I believe, in the top 10. Wasn't J.C. Jackson, did he win the tiebreaker? 
Yeah. At the so Marcus the Peters. It was like, right. It was two ball hawks. Yeah. So Peters, because Peters is who he is, right? He's like, he's always been the, the risk reward gamble mm-hmm. guy. Like he'll, he'll, he'll lose you a game, but then he'll win you games. Um, where Jackson was like, maybe not as dynamic, but you know, 13 picks in two years, like pretty impressive skill set, you know, takes chances, confident. Like, so, you know, teams like that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Marcus Peters, the, his teammate, um, maybe not as notable because it doesn't necessarily have those huge interception numbers, but a guy who, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, forced a ton of fumbles this year, yeah. uh, at Eight. number two yep. in Marlon Humphrey. Um, what were you hearing about Marlon Humphrey that led him to go, you know, ahead of some maybe bigger name cornerbacks and be number two on this list? Yeah, I was surprised. I really, I did not go into this expecting Marlon Humphrey to be two. Um, he had the eight force fumbles. The only knock on him was maybe some reliable man coverage. Is he like down and down out that shutdown guy? But mm-hmm. I talked to enough coaches that say that he's like more than good there. Um, and then if you add that to everything else he does, just total package, like he's one of those coaches dreams, right? Like mm-hmm. coaches vote him very high. Um, and so I, I thought Xavier Howard was going to be two without a question, but it was, uh, yeah, it, I, you know, Marlon Humphrey came in pretty convincingly beating everybody else to the two spot. Um, so he's, you know, Baltimore was smart to sign him to what looked like big money at the time. You know, it's a little under $20 million a year, but that will be well worth it. Like he's just that kind of player where, they're not going to regret that deal. Yeah. I mean, still six years of contractual control left for Merlin Humphrey, a guy who, um, you know, can play outside, can play in the slot. He's had to play in the slot with Tavon Young injured. Um, I, I don't certainly not on Jalen Ramsey's level as, as a cover corner, but a guy who can move around and do whatever you want from snap to snap. And I mean, there's just so few guys like that in the NFL who are capable of playing at a high level. And I think as good as saving Howard is, I mean, the one thing you might say is he's a guy who's had some injury issues over the past yeah. few years. Yeah, he has. And then you just, you don't know what to expect now with the contract situation and him potentially wanting out of Miami. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's got a dominant trait, right? And let's go. He goes and gets the ball. He's instinctual as probably anybody. Um, so that, uh, that was easily going to get him in the top three. I'm just a little shocked he wasn't too. Yeah. I mean, I actually went and ran the numbers. I forget exactly what I found, which maybe I should remember that before I tease this anecdote. But um, I think it was like the most impressive season in NFL history in terms of interceptions, <laughs> yeah. given how hard it was to get picks right. last year. I mean, a, a true ball hawk, but a guy where, you know, he's played uh, two 16 game seasons over the course of his first five years. So it's just if he's on the field for 16 games, you know, he's going to make plays, but you just can't count on that. Yeah, it was like we're watching on Sunday and it was every week almost like. Like, you know, you go get a, make a sandwich between games. You come back and Xavier Howard has another pick, you know, like that's kind of how it felt like on Sundays. Yeah. I mean, absolutely a guy who, you know, as tough as it is to have big interception numbers, the one guy you'd count on maybe uh, is Xavier Howard. So you're going to hit safeties on Friday and then (laughs) next week, next week you're going to offense. So please tease something that you feel like, People are going to either maybe get very angry about, be very excited to see, surprised to see. Don't spoil anything, please. I want to read it. I know okay. uh, the readers want to read it, but just give me something that will whet the appetite for next week on the offensive side of the ball. Ooh, okay. Uh, let's see. So, so running back, one of the biggest names at the running back position that we've all considered, like you know, a top top guy. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. take a pretty big fall 
pretty sizable fall. Okay, I'm and into this. And then uh, at quarterback, at least one of the two marquee second-year guys. The 2020 draft will be in the top 10. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm intrigued to see. Well, Jeremy, where can people check this and the rest of your coverage out? <laughs> uh, yeah. So just ESPN Plus and go check it out. The 11 day series started Monday, uh, runs until so, so Monday, July 5th, it started, runs until next Thursday. So I believe that's the 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll end with quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, we'll do offensive line this weekend on two separate days. And then uh, we will do uh, starting with the four main skill positions. And you got tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback. Uh, so that's that will be the fun part. So we're saving the best for last. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for hopping on the show. Bill, appreciate it, man. Enjoy your summer. It's going to be Thanks. short. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, games, I- the games will be here before we know it. I heard today, I was on the Rich Eisen show. Rich Eisen said nine weeks away from the NFL season today. I know. Well, it's like three weeks from camp. Yeah. It's crazy. It's all happening. It's all happening. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> thanks, Bill. All right. Thanks so much to Jeremy Fowler. Such great work going around the NFL, talking to people, getting this insight on players that you're not going to get anywhere else for this many positions. Really interesting stuff to me. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Sorry we didn't have a show last week. There was some... Uh, personal stuff, a death in the family, unfortunately. Uh, but I appreciate you guys being patient. Hope you guys enjoy the show this week. We have more audio coming as we preview the NFL season in the weeks to come. So thanks so much for listening and more next week.